tonight. Reverend Joel Fitzpatrick is going to be preaching to us. Joel is a good friend of mine in seminary. Uh, he helped me remain sane in some of the early days of seminary <coughs> and has been a good friend uh, and a confidant and a partner to me in ministry. And so I am uh, ecstatic that he's going to be preaching to us tonight. So would you please give a warm res pres welcome to Joel. Thank you, brother. Thank you, worship team. Um, it has been, uh, this church has been a haven uh, in many ways uh, for me and my family, and so I am extraordinarily grateful to be here with you all tonight. Rob is a dear friend. Um, Rob uh, speaks too highly of me. Um, he acts like I'm put together well, but I couldn't even make it out to buy a black shirt um, to preach in tonight. <laughs> but praise God for the forgiveness of sins. Um, please open your Bibles. Wow, that's loud. Am I loud or is it just me? No? Okay, good. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. You have been going through a sermon series uh, on the Advent, on the Kingdom of God, and now we are going to hone in on this last part, Christ's Kingdom that is coming. Um, The title of the sermon for tonight is Kingdom Come, and so we're going to read from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 42, all the way to the end. So if you would, please stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word. This is the Word of God to His people. Pay careful attention. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus, it is written, the first man Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural. And then the spiritual. The first man, um, the first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And, it, and is the man of heaven. So also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Right there, my heart says, come Lord Jesus. Mm. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body 
must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. As far as the reading of God's Word, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we come to You on this Your day, Your Sabbath day, Your heavenly ordinance of rest. This day where You have opened the door of worship. Um, The record where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and the seal of Sabbaths to come. Lord, we bless You for Your throne of grace. That here free favor reigns. And that open access to it is through the blood of Jesus. Lord, we thank You that the veil is torn aside and we can enter into the holiness and find You there, ready to hear, waiting to be gracious, inviting us to pour out all of our needs, encouraging our desires, promising to give more than we can even ask or think. Lord, now... We pray You would give us in rich abundance the blessings that the Lord's day was designed to impart. Flood our minds with peace beyond understanding. May the meditations, our meditations be sweet. Our acts of worship make them life and liberty and joy. May we drink the streams that flow from Your throne. Make our food the precious Word. Our defense the shield of faith. And may our hearts be more and more knit to Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We're all going to die. What a great way to start the sermon. I've always wanted to start a sermon that way, and so Rob, thank you for the chance to check that off my bucket list. Um, But seriously, until the Lord returns, or unless the Lord returns, uh, we're all going to die. Um, That's one thing that's a given in this life, right? Death and taxes. Um, Death, we're all going to die. The details of our deaths may change. But the fact that we will die, um, it remains the same for every one of us. So, where is the good news? Are you afraid of death tonight? Are you fearful of what will happen when you draw your final breath? Is there a resurrection from the dead? Or do we all just dissolve into the dust?
What will the final day on earth be like? Will there be life after death? These are vitally important questions for humanity. And the beauty is is that God speaks clearly about these questions in answer to them. Now, I'm sort of a geek. Um, I love to watch sci-fi. And there's one topic that runs throughout all of these sci-fi TV shows and movies, and that's the end of the world. And they all have some way that they posit the end of the world, uh, that they posit that it will happen. Will it be like Star Wars? There will be some giant planet-killing weapon that will blow us up? Will it be like Doctor Who? And the earth just loses its orbit and gets swallowed up by the sun. The old REM uh, song, right, plays on this. It's the end of the world. And I feel fine. Um, Will there be aliens who come down like Independence Day and try to destroy, destroy our world? Will we need Will Smith to save us? <laughs> yes, on the 4th of July. Of course it'll happen then. Um, Will we just end up like any other planet in the universe and go dormant? What will the end of the world be like? What's interesting is that the Bible's message on this topic is pretty clear. And for the Christian, it's incredibly hopeful. And quite frankly, it's even clearer And hopeful for those who wouldn't consider themselves Christians. And we'll get to that in a second. Why is it clear? Why is it hopeful? Because it gives us a clear narrative. One that we can read and put our trust in. One that is just as believable as any other narrative. And yet, changes this hopeful narrative does what all of these other ones don't do. It changes the way that we look at the world, the way that we interact with each other, the way that we face our death. I mean, what hope is there in Will Smith? Not much. (laughs) Because eventually he's going to die. Or he'll come out with another movie on Netflix that's terrible. This text tonight can be very difficult to understand. And let's be frank, it's New Year's Eve and we can be tempted to get lost thinking about what's coming up after church. It's New Year's Eve. And so it would be a great night for what we're preaching about to come true. So tonight, I want to help you understand that your hope and the kingdom that is to come is a hope that's yours because of the work of Jesus Christ. Then, after we look at how that hope is yours because of the work of Jesus, I hope we'll see that this sets us free from fear. Does that make sense? Okay. We're going to look at it in four parts. First is the resurrection of the dead. Second is the twinkling of an eye. Third, is the inheritance gained. And then lastly, it's the kingdom that's coming. First, 
the resurrection of the dead. Paul starts out this section that we are in right now um, with an odd description or a, a, um, a sort of warning. And we're picking up this discussion right in the middle of it. We're kind of walking right into the, to the answer to a question that Paul posed back in verse 35. If you look at your Bibles, you'll see this. Uh, he says, someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Now, this question assumes something right off the bat, right? Um, that when we die, there will be a resurrection. Death is not the end for us. There is an afterlife. And notice what he says in verses 36 and 37. If you have your Bibles, look down. He says, you foolish person. (laughs) What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what, what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel perhaps of wheat or some other grain. The body that we're in right now, when it dies, it's a bare kernel. It's a bare kernel. You know what this is like. My family planted a sunflower seed last year. Actually, we planted two. We thought it was a great idea because it was right during baseball season and we loved to eat sunflower seeds. And we never knew how hard it was to actually like harvest sunflower seeds. But um, we didn't quite think that one through. But a sunflower seed, what is it? It's just this black and white kind of nasty looking thing. And you put it in the ground. And then it gets watered. And it grows into a beautiful sunflower. The sunflower was six or seven feet tall over my neighbor's fence. But you see, the seed needs to die before it becomes the thing it was always meant to be. This is how it is with the resurrection. You see, we can get caught up in this false distinction between the flesh and the spirit. And to read that here would be to misread this text. Now you might be saying to yourself, wait a second, Joel. Uh, I know you're a guest preacher, but that doesn't mean you can get away with doing whatever you want. Right here the text says natural and spiritual. This means that we will not have physical bodies in the resurrection. We'll just hang with me for a second. Here, because I think that this is really good news. Really good news for us. What Paul is doing here is that um, he's saying that when we die, our bodies will go into the ground and be raised again, just like a kernel goes into the ground and becomes a stalk of wheat or corn or whatever. When we're raised from the dead on, the, on that day at the second coming of Jesus at the resurrection, this thing that right now carries so much dishonor, so much brokenness, will be made again. It will be what it was always meant to be. 
recently. I tore a muscle in my stomach. I know. Yes, I do have muscles in my stomach. It isn't all just flab. (laughs) That's painful. At the end of the year, last year, the doctors found a tumor in my bladder that had to be removed. I've passed 28 kidney stones in my life. To top it off, uh, to top it all off, my 40th birthday was four days ago, five days ago this month, and I had a friend say to me that now my body will start to fall apart. (laughs) And I was like, thanks, yo, Uh, that's good news. But here is the good news. This body that right now works by natural principles, the natural principles of decay and death, this body, this body, this broken, flabby body is just the kernel. There's a day coming when my spirit will be united with my new body and it will be everything it was meant to be. I, cannot, I honestly cannot wait to hear your guys' worship band in heaven when there will be no missed notes Hey, listen, you're going to laugh at me for being flabby? Mm. Just think about this for a second. What a hopeful day when the church, when what the church has confessed for millennia will be true. I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. This brings so much hope. We will be like Jesus. Just as right now we bear the image of the man of dust, that image of decay, I bear those scars. On that day, all of it will change. Your broken body, your broken mind, every pain that you carry in your flesh, will change. And you will be you, but you'll look like Jesus. Praise Him. Praise Him that this isn't all there is. Praise Him that it won't just be our bodies that change, but it will be our relationships, the scars that we carry from our past, every part of our lives that isn't what it should be or could be. Every time that we sigh and we wish things were different, it will change. What a hopeful message. And dear friend, this hope is for you. It's for you. This is what Jesus has won for you. This is not because you're good. It's because He was good for you. 
praise Him. No longer weak, but powerful. No longer perishable, but imperishable. Your enjoyment of your new body will never end. No longer dishonorable. No longer dishonorable. No longer dishonorable, but raised in glory. Why? Because when Jesus comes, those who are Christians will be like Him because we will see Him face to face. You will look into the loving gaze of your Savior and you will be like Him. This is your future hope. This is what comes with the second coming. And guess what? We aren't even done yet. Can I get an amen? Second point, twinkling of an eye. The question you may be asking right now is, when will all of this happen? When will the kingdom come? Well, in one sense, it already has come. (laughs) Um, But in another sense, we don't know. God's not given that to us to know. But what we do know is that when it does happen, it won't take very long. Look at what Paul says. First, this is a mystery. Um, It's not supposed to be revealed to us. There's no numerology that can determine the time. There's no way you can read certain words in the Bible and look at world events and say, yeah, today's the day. Some would say there are patterns we can see. And yeah, that's true. Yet it's still a mystery. And you know what's funny? God is just wild enough to take what we would think is a pattern that we're seeing and be like, nah, not today. (laughs) Second, Paul says that not everyone will sleep, but everyone will be changed. This means that this will happen as a historical event. It will happen at a point in time in history. There will be a time when humanity will still be walking this earth and then boom, everything changes. The trumpet sounds. Third, the coming of the kingdom will be a one-time instantaneous event. Notice he doesn't say... um, Actually, first, let me back up. Now I know many of my brothers from different perspectives will bristle at this. Um, But Paul doesn't say this event will happen in part, and then there'll be a period of time, and then a second event will happen. No. When this happens, the kingdom will come in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, in almost like a passing glance. The last trumpet. Fourth, the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed into immortal beings. Now, it's important to say this here. Some will be raised to everlasting life. That is for sure. We're reading that now. But there are also some who will be raised to everlasting death and punishment. This is the bad news. This too will happen at the last trumpet. There will be those who will be raised to experience God's wrath. 
not His amazing blessing. And this raises an issue for us. As humans, we think that if something hasn't happened yet, then it's not going to happen. Right? This is the great folly of our youth. Um, I can drive 100 miles an hour down the freeway and be safe. <laughs> right? We think that we have time on our hands because, frankly, we're arrogant. We think we control our own future. But Paul is saying that no one knows when this will happen. And you need to reckon with that reality. God is returning. Tonight, Jesus may return. I sure hope He does. And you will have to face Him, dear friend. And even if He doesn't return tonight, you may die. And that's it. The Bible says that it's for a man to die once. And then the judgment. There's no do-overs. So, would you turn to Jesus tonight and be saved? Would you turn to Him and acknowledge that He's real, that Jesus died and was raised from the dead? Would you admit that you're a sinner who is in desperate need of a Savior? And then would you rest in His good work for you tonight? Dear friend, if you hear this, if you're here tonight and you hear this, today is the day of salvation. Today is the favorable day. If you are here and you want to place your faith in Jesus, then I would invite you to come and see us after the service. See me, see Rob, see uh, Elder Brian or any of the people who are up here on the stage tonight. And we will help you in that. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. Tomorrow isn't guaranteed. Instead, come and gain in the inheritance that comes through the victory of Christ. Our third point, the victory. Now that we've heard this hopeful news about the coming of Christ, we need to ask, how is all of this possible? (laughs) Doesn't God know who we are? Who makes it possible for all of this world history changing truth to be real? Who has that sort of power? Well, it's none other than Jesus Christ. And He brings about a victory that is so overwhelming. Last year, I coached my son's baseball team. Um, I was one of the assistant coaches, the Poway American Little League Orioles. Uh, We had a great year. Um, It was a lot of fun. My son, Colin, played catcher in first base. And we played our hearts out. The kids... Um, We won uh, the Poway American uh, Series Tournament for Minor A Baseball. We were the best team in our league. Um, And we were so excited, right? The kids were stoked. The parents were stoked. The players were stoked. The coaches were nervous wrecks, but that's a different story. And we had a blast. And we went on to the Poway City Championships for Little League Baseball. And there, we were pitted against the Poway 
National Little League Cubs. We were by far the better team, but we lost. The umpire was having a rough day. We were missing one of our pitchers and our head coach. And we thought we could and should win the game, but we lost, right? A bad call here, a missed pitch there, a bad play, and we lost. But we thought we could achieve through talent and strength of character. We couldn't. Now, that was 24 9-11-year-old little boys pitted against each other in battle. So much writing on the outcome. Who would win the city trophy? And when we lost, it was terrible. Kids were crying. Parents were angry. Coaches felt ashamed. If the victory of Christ was like the Poway Little League Baseball Championship, then that would be really bad news. If the outcome of the work of Christ was based on our faithfulness to God or our ability to keep God's law, then we should be scared. But here's the beauty. It isn't. Listen to the next few lines from the Apostle Paul. Look down at your Bibles. Verses 54 through 57. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. Here it is, but thanks be to God who gives the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you here and afraid of death? Listen to these words for you. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? The psalms say it in a different way. The psalmist says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. Don't fear your death, believer. Jesus has taken its power away from it. Are you a believer who has a tender conscience? Hear these words. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, you don't have to question your Christianity because you're a bad Christian. God has given you the victory through Christ. Praise Him. Are you here tonight and are proud? Do you think that it's your good works that makes, you, makes God love you? Do you think that your good works, your ability to walk the straight and narrow, that that's what gives you the victory? Hear these words. Thanks be to God. Not to you, but to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you here and are weak in the fight? 
right now, do you feel like more of a loser than a victor? Hear these words. Thanks be to God who gives you, dear loser Christian, (laughs) He gives you the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Dear brother or sister, you are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loves you. You are no longer a slave to sin. Jesus has broken the chains that hold you. God has made this true about you even now when your conscience is convicting you. Even now when Satan's whispering in your ear and saying, ah, that's not good. That's not true. Those are damnable words from the pit of hell. You see, your victory is not measured in a snapshot of your day. But in the ups and downs of the Christian life. The trajectory of your life. And if you are here and you are a Christian today, then that trajectory, dear brothers and sisters, through all the ups and downs, will be a trajectory that's aimed at the image of Christ. Praise Him. You see, this is the beauty of it all. The beauty of the second coming. The day when the kingdom comes will in one sense just usher in what is already true about you. Jesus has won the victory. And we live enjoying the spoils of that victory. The Holy Spirit, the water, the bread, the wine, worship, community, prayer. All of these things point us forward. Point us forward to that coming day. So we look forward. Because praise God, the kingdom's coming. Our last point. The kingdom is coming. We've seen that this kingdom means total transformation. That it will be here in an instant. And now these truths are brought to us and made alive in us through the victory that Christ has won. So what does this all mean? Well, kids, if you knew that ice cream was coming after church, If I was to tell you right now that I had a giant cooler full of your favorite ice cream, every one of you, I just read your mind and bought it, you would be waiting expectantly. You would be hoping that church would get over soon, right? You'd be hoping that I'd stop preaching so you could go get your ice cream. Now, when I was a kid, my parents told me that if I didn't make a scene when I got a shot, then they would buy me ice cream. So what did I do? I didn't make a scene. Notice what Paul says. In the second coming of Christ, the reality that the kingdom has come and is coming does something in us. It gives us hope. Hope. That gives us strength to be steadfast, immovable, 
always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Because your work's not in vain. There's something coming. It's amazing. Brothers and sisters, this world has so little to offer compared to this. Look forward to the second coming and let that work steadfastness in you as you suffer in this life. May God make Resurrection Presbyterian a church that looks forward to the coming kingdom with expectant hope in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let me pray for us. Dearest Father, we thank You so much that You promise us these truths in Your Word. Jesus, thank You that You want it all. God, thank You it's not up to me. I'm such a train wreck. Thank You, Jesus, that You paid for it all. Thank You, Jesus, that You give us all of this not based on how good or faithful or wonderful we are, but simply based on the fact that You are good, You are faithful, and You, Jesus, are wonderful. (laughs) Build steadfastness in our hearts as we meditate on Your love for us and as we look forward with hope to the second coming of Christ. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.